Hey, hey, welcome in to episode number 26 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan, very excited to present this episode. First of all, I'm recording this outside on my back deck. How awesome is that, that it's now summertime all across Canada and the weather has been absolutely beautiful that I can record outside. You might hear birds chirping in the background, a fountain rolling. Um, actually, that fountain that fountain noise is making me have to pee. So I'll make this quick. Um, very excited. The nominee list has been announced. The nominees out there, we're posting them every day, uh, two at a time, who the nominees are this year for the 2023 class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. You, I'm going to tell you in the first break after the first interview about all the nominees, everybody who's nominated. Um, and if you hear a name, if you hear somebody that, that you love, that you admire, uh, then there's only one way to assure that that person gets into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. And that is to go to CanadianComedyHall.com, become a founding member. It's only $25. It's a lifetime membership and vote for that person. Vote, vote, vote for them to get into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. That's the only way they get in, is your votes. That's that's what you have to do. Um, for the performer category, it's all based on member votes. $25, that gets you a membership for the rest of your life. So I'll give you all the nominees coming up in the break, but first, uh, I have a very exciting interview. Uh, this guy is awesome. He is uh, one, uh, one of the best roasters in the country, as well as being one of the best stand-up comics in the country as well. His name is Tyler Morrison. He's worked on a lot of roasts uh, of, of professional wrestlers. Uh, we even talked about Ron Jeremy a lot. We talked about his album, his amazing business that he's that he's uh, run in, in cottage com comedy uh, that he's doing out of the Muskoka region, putting out albums, promoting shows, um, amazing guy working for the grassroots of Canadian comedy. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the great Tyler Morrison. No, when I started out, I was living just outside Toronto, like in uh, Nobleton. So it's near King City. Okay. Yeah. So that's about 40 minutes out. That's where I like I went to high school in King City and I lived there for Nobleton for like seven years. And then, I, but I went to Humber College comedy program. And then I lived in Toronto for about three years and then just moved up back up to bracers where i'm originally from so awesome so many people have done that humber uh comedy program that i've talked to on this show it's it's really amazing oh, yeah. who's come out of it like Deb deborah d giovanni uh yep. brandon ash mohammed just two off the top of my head right so many great people oh for sure it's yeah it's definitely been a revolving door of uh strong comedians coming out of there i mean there's a lot that fade out quickly but it does um you find out pretty fast who's going to move on in it, from it, I think. It's it's a proving ground for sure, I bet. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I grew up a big pro wrestling fan. I'm still a huge pro wrestling fan. Awesome. Uh, did you want to be a pro wrestler growing up as a kid like I did and then found your way into comedy because it's like a natural progression <laughs> in a way? Well, I, I don't know. I love pro wrestling for sure. Like I was all about wrestling ever since I was really young. Uh, I loved it. I don't think I ever thought I would be a wrestler, but I did uh, enjoy it. You know, ever since I was probably like two years old, I was, you know, into wrestling, like Rowdy Roddy Piper is my all-time favorite. And yeah. then, uh, you know, it was like Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan was the big, the big uh, WrestleMania six. My brother and I were, my brother was 
all about Hulk Hogan. I think I was on Warrior side, so we'd fight, and that was it. <laughs> That's <laughs> that awesome. Was good. But yeah, I watched probably till I watched until kind of when I went to college. I I kind of lost um, touch with wrestling for a bit, and then uh, you know I just got brought into it with these com- these wrestling comedy roasts and all that. Um, you know, just <laughs> got sucked back into that world, which is it's really fun because you get to meet all these people you you know looked up to when you were a kid, and some of them are. <laughs> Some of them are awesome. Some of them are bags of shit. <laughs> I, it was funny. I was talking to Trevor Thompson. I don't know if you know Trevor Thompson, a comedian yeah, last Trevor's night. Really yeah. And we were talking about this, like why we like how this wrestling and comedy have these like um, co-relations to each other yes. in the sense it's like they talk about like traveling the roads, getting your spot, people um who kind of get promoted ahead of where they should be and like all these things the correlations between wrestling and comedy are are crazy they both like i call it like a carny like like an old-time carnival lifestyle they both like lead to that yeah the um uh, yeah there's so many parallels between them like if you watch mickey rourke's the wrestler Mm. (laughs) you're like oh yeah i've been exactly like that guy when i go to you know thunder bay or <laughs> or wherever you know you want to go but like it's it, it definitely has those uh those parallels and i think it's interesting how every comedian that i know for the most part loves wrestling most mm-hmm. comics love wrestling and they also probably love comic books there's something about those two genres that um comedians definitely are big on They're, they've gravitated towards those and i think it's because we um who we are on stage is almost like our own version of what a comic book character is or a wrestler wrestling character is. We, we develop this persona, like they develop a persona um, or the, or the artist develops and writer develops a persona for those characters. So we kind of live out our, some sort of fantasy on stage. There's some sort of, um, I guess, you know, you get to say the things that you can't really say in real life. You get to expose, you know, expose things on on stage that you would never maybe divulge in a normal conversation because you feel a little bit more bulletproof getting those laughs. It, it's funny. It's like that. What they talk in wrestling, like the best characters are just heightened versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like that's the best stand ups in a way. Like, even I think so too. Some, somebody like Stephen Wright, who's like incredibly wild uh and like you're like oh this is a character you hear interviews with Stephen Wright he is like that you know he speaks with that monotone voice like it's not yes. all character you know like it's always the best heightened version of yourself yeah Steve Wright's a genius and he like the way he yeah he definitely magnifies his personality on stage but it's just that, like it's he's sort of unlocking part of his personality that maybe in real life he kind of you know dials down a bit uh, you know that's that's kind of what it, what I think, uh, you know, makes the performance, you know, so unique. You, you found a good little niche with these, like, and it's not niche, like it's, it's roasting, um, celebrities. I think you've done Ric Flair, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Sheik, did you roast the Sheik? Yeah. Iron uh, Sheik. I did, uh, the Ric Flair roast, um, Ron Jeremy roast to <laughs> the roast of Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I was going to bring that up because my I, I took radio in college and that's where I worked. And my first ever celebrity interview was Ron Jeremy. 
when I oh, was yeah? about How like was 18. It was <laughs> weird because he is known to be this huge porn star in more ways than one. And uh, all he wanted to talk about is like his classically trained acting. Cause he is like a classically, he went to like a famous acting school in the States. I don't, I want to say Juilliard, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's what was... he wants to talk about. Yeah. I think he just never made it in what he wanted to make it in and then fell into the porn side. And then he's always yearned for, um, you know, the, I guess the acclaim or some sort of adulation for his other uh, qualities, like um, sexually assaulting women. (laughs) (laughs) And he's getting it now. now. Yeah. 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 Well, he's apparently he's not fit to stand trial because he's so, like mentally not with it oh, wow. but uh yeah yeah what a what a mess <laughs> yeah it, he a- he was a mess back then he was doing a tour that, that he was promoting where he would um go to college campuses and debate uh an evangelical christian who was on tour with him about the ethics of porn essentially. okay and uh it was very bizarre it was he was i mean the show i think was fine the stage show i didn't actually see it but he was very bizarre he's a very yeah when i met him he was like it seemed like he was on like heavily medicated like he was pilled out or something Mm. but i don't know maybe maybe he had some sort of medical condition but it was definitely strange he was he was not um like a fun dude to hang out with at all did he get did he do any roasting on that show yeah, but it was horrible. He didn't do any of the jokes that we wrote for him and like oh. just opted to do his own hack little um presentation cuz really like he thinks he's a great comedian, you know. He anything mm. that's not a porn star, he thinks he's great at, I guess. But he <laughs> he took out he had some some dumb thing where he was like uh you know, ask the audience if they want to see his cock and everyone cheers and then he takes out like a rubber chicken from his track pants. Okay. Just so hacky, like, right? And yeah, then, that's uh, so hack. And he he dropped the rubber chicken backstage, and one of my buddies took it, and Ron had a full on meltdown looking for this rubber chicken backstage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to look at my friend. I'm like, dude, you gotta give back the chicken. <laughs> is is Ron Jeremy? Is he the worst um, celebrity taking on that ro- role of roasting that you had to? deal with i mean in terms of his is what we know now <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. but mean, as of like delivery writing jokes was he like yeah i mean he's up there he's up there yeah there was a few that that uh that you know they didn't do i mean flair didn't do any of the jokes that we wrote but really <sighs> do you want to hear rick flair trying to do roast jokes or do you want to hear rick flair no. just be rick flair cut a promo right that's what i figured yeah. would happen but i definitely wrote him some some material just in case. And and I talked to him on the phone beforehand and he was really cool. He was just, you know, I just explained to him, like my job is to make sure that you know all the angles that these guys are going to be coming at you with. And you have something in your back pocket if you feel like you get blindsided and you can, you know, have something to hit back with. But he mm-hmm. really just, I mean, Ric Flair got wasted during that roast. If you, if you saw it, he was, you know, we were all drinking during the, like during the show, but Rick was, uh, he was knocking them back pretty good. So by the can. end, of it, his, his I wasn't expecting much from Rick on the roast side of it. He was more did a kind of a sentimental thing at the end of it, as opposed to like clapping back on everyone. Um, 
it would have been nice to see Flair cut a promo though. But I almost pissed myself when I was on that roast because what happened was this: there, I was sitting on the end and I was right behind the dais, or like right behind, sort of like the podium on the dais, mm-hmm. and uh, they were bringing me like beers and and but they're having me human chain pass the beers down to the other comics well for whatever reason no comics in the back row were drinking so they all all the beers got passed back down to me so i'm drinking like three four beers at once the entire roast (laughs) and they had like videos and like little breaks so you could you know like i could go to the bathroom but the bathroom's on it's in this giant convention center so i had a guy (laughs) like a production team member running me to the, to the pisser. (laughs) And it feels so ridiculous. They got like a walkie talkie out and they're like, we need Tyler back in five, four, three. (laughs) Dumb. But like when flair got up, I was holding it for so long by the time he got up that like, I, I was almost, yeah, I almost pissed myself, man. That would have been great. (laughs) That would, that'd be me. Smallest bladder in the game. I couldn't even. I yeah, I wouldn't even handle it. Who is the who is the best celebrity roaster? So the one that like really had like some comedy chops that wasn't in that game normally that you've mm. that you've dealt with have crossed any of your roasts. That's a good question. I have to think about that one for a second. We I've had a couple good ones that I've worked with that uh that did a good job. On the flare roast, I thought Tori Wilson did a good job. She kind of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, embrace. She embraced mostly what it was. There was some stuff that she wasn't going to do. She's very nice, and mm-hmm. I'm writing for her, and I'm like super mean. I'm like, listen, you got to understand these. This is like everyone on here is like a bully in the schoolyard, so you have to, you know, hit them just as hard. Uh, but she she did pretty good on that one. Uh, Lisa Ann, the porn star. I thought Lisa Ann did an awesome job. I was writing for okay. her on the on the ron jeremy roast and out of all the um people on that she was she delivered and and took it seriously you know i think it's just when they when they listen to the comedians who are experts at this that they're gonna you know you have to embrace what what it is if you're afraid of hurting people's feelings um on a roast you're on the wrong show yeah absolutely how involved are you Sorry, Bully Ray. Bully Ray from uh, like Bubba Ray Dudley from WWE. Yeah. He, we were writing some jokes for him. John Moses was mostly writing the jokes, but I was I was contributing on that. And uh, he got up like and he like ripped up his paper and like threw it away and said like I can't roast these guys. And he gave some lame heartfelt speech and it was total bullshit. It was the biggest cop out. And listen, like, I don't know bully Ray before this and I don't probably have a relationship with him afterwards. So like, I just thought it was um, incredibly disrespectful to the people that actually worked really hard to try and make him look good on this and and not have him look like a total tool. And uh, for what he did there, I thought was kind of, kind of weak. It was a cop out and it also gave permission for the other people following him to, to back out of mm-hmm. doing jokes and, and to, to take a, a real pussy route. If I must say, I don't know if how much you censor this show, but like, you it can was say whatever you want. Yeah. I thought it was a uh, like, you know, it definitely gave license to other people to, to, uh, to play it safer after him. And, and it was a, it was a weird turn on the roast. I think he should have just done the jokes that he had. Cause he had some good ones and uh, you know, if he took it seriously and and uh, did the job he was paid to do, um, you know, it would have been a better roast ultimately. 
It's so funny because you just said D- do the job you're paid to do, which is such like a wrestling term, right? And That's he right. totally like That's backed right. out on do that. Business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He actually talked about that recently in the last week or two on uh, Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM about that very roast and doing that and how he couldn't do that to someone like flair or whatever but that, that yeah he very like and this was Fuck a while ago off. where you did that roast and, he, and he's still talking about it on his yeah because he uh, knows on his radio he show. knows deep down that he pulled a bullshit move in my opinion that was you're 100 percent right like yeah. listen that guy could kick my ass whatever like good for you but yeah. like it, the way that i don't know i'm just saying you were paid to do a job and you didn't do the job you yeah took the, you took the easy way out and you know, there's nothing I can't take anything away from you as a wrestler. But if I came in and was no selling, you'd be pissed at me. So, oh, yeah. So how you, you know, sold us. So yeah. that's what you did, you know, and because and you and, and ultimately by doing that, you're saying you're better than everyone else on this show and that you're too good and take the moral high ground and everyone else that just did this. They're bad people. Well, that's horseshit. OK, because I was around all those people that whole weekend and most of them were really nice. And there's one guy I kind of didn't think was like, you know, all that cool and all that nice. It was, and it was him. So I'll just yeah. say that. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Don't give a it. fuck. Yeah. How involved are you in the, those roasts? Like uh, the wrestling one, like, are you producing? It seems like you're involved quite a bit. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know your involvement. So yeah, in I'm just curious. Some of them that. I'm a producer. Some of like the, the flair one, I was more, um, like on the writing side, I was writing for a lot of the uh, wrestlers and uh, working with, you know, a couple of the other comics who I'm friends with, like we'd kind of jam on some of our stuff, but mostly I was writing on that one and then just performing. Um, But the, the, what's it called? The Rick or not Rick Flair, the Ron Jeremy one. I was Mm -hmm. a little bit more involved on the back end of that um, producing that because the, uh, um, there's a bunch of stuff that went down around that roast and, and Ron wanted his money up front and they didn't have access to that money because of the, you know, it was t- tied up in the ticketing companies and stuff. So I ended up putting money down before the show. Cause everyone was in to do this show. It was like right before the show, Ron pulled an ultimate warrior mm. <laughs> and tried to, tried to hold up SummerSlam and, uh, <laughs> said so, you know, he's not going on stage unless he gets paid so i went and took a bunch of cash out and put it down and then uh so the roast could actually happen so i ended up coming on board there's a bunch of i guess uh organizational flaws that were happening around the production and i came and cleaned up the back end and took over as a producer on the on the project and, and got it to the finish line as best as i could um you know which which meant i had to get dustin diamond to sign a release right before screech went to jail the day screech went to prison oh wow to get him to sign a release like there was a whole bunch of um behind the scenes drama that happened around that uh that situation and it it was you know it's something that you that that you learn from uh what not to do when you know it wasn't my mistakes but like definitely trying to clean them up you're like oh yeah if i'm doing this like if i'm on the front end of this i'm definitely not making these mistakes and Mm. yeah (laughs) you know what um, you, try, you try and do these independent things and and you learn from them and and uh ultimately the independent spirit of do it yourself in comedy is what propels things forward because if you're sitting there waiting for the industry to just you know 
hand you a lifeline or, or put you on the trough, it's not going to happen or, or it's not going to happen when you want it to. Why, why would you wait for these people um, to just give you the golden ticket? It's not going to happen for everyone. You have to create your own breaks. I, I have a, I have a philosophy or a policy where I just send one email a day and some of them are huge long shot emails. Some of them are just networking ones, but I, that's how I like, I, I do more than that, but that's just like one thing I do is I just send one, you know, on this relatively small podcast i've had like jim belushi the kids in the hall on we had uh, i got a couple minutes with lauren michaels at one point and that's all just from sending one meal email a day right instead of waiting for people to be like hey i want to come on your show so um obviously you have some like business savvy sense uh just tell me about caught uh, cottage comedy um sure. your record label more than a record label i would say though right yeah, yeah. So we started out as a festival when I was, I guess I was 23 when I started the fest. I'm 39 now. So we, when I was like, I was pretty young in comedy, there was not a lot of opportunity in uh, in Toronto. Like there was, I would say, if you look at the scene in Toronto right now, it's a world-class comedy scene now. There's so many shows and so much great talent. And there was a lot of great talent at the time, but there wasn't as many shows. And I think it was... Um, a Humber College comedy program was fairly new around mm -hmm. that time. This we would be talking like 2004, 2000. The, the, from the time that I, I went from 2002 to 2004 when I was there, but I started the festival in like 2007, I think. And so, 2000 in that time frame, there was just not a lot, there wasn't as many shows, there wasn't as many clubs, there wasn't as many. Uh, the comedy bar wasn't there yet, which is you know, a great um, kind of revolving door of shows that you can get on. It's just, it's just so much more, um, uh, I guess, yeah, just so much more stage time in the city now. And then the scene hadn't really blown up with like that many people coming out of Humber. Every year Humber comedy brings so many comics from all over the country into Toronto and a lot of them stay. And so there's, it's, it's just made the scene so, so rich and so much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, so the scene what hadn't really like gotten that type of steroids yet, and there just wasn't a lot. So I I'm from Bracebridge, I'm from Muskoka, and I'm like, well, the summer it sucks in Toronto anyway for comedy. Why don't we do something up here where it's like people want to come up here and 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 experience what this place is? And so why don't we do like a comedy festival? And so we we just randomly just decided to do a comedy festival with you know no experience. And uh, I think we ended up doing four shows was our first, our first festival, two theater shows, two bar shows. And then we had a bunch of little fun, you know, com comedian events and stuff going on around it. John Doerr came up and headlined. Amazing. Jeff McHenry was one of the headliners. Um, lots of, you know, if you look at who's, who was there the first year, like all these guys and girls like turned out to have great careers. Rebecca Kohler, um, Nathan, no, Nathan McIntosh was in maybe, yeah, he was in year one. Nathan McIntosh had a great career. Um, Brian O'Gorman. So yeah, all these comics, Bobby Mayer, who's huge in the UK now, all these comics came in the first year and then they went on to, to, you know, have pretty good careers for the most part. That's so, awesome. And it just sort of expanded from there. And, you know, after doing the festival for, I'm not sure how many years we had done it at that point, but we, we decided to, evolve it into a record label and production company where we produce 
comedy albums and stand-up specials and just kind of work with, you know, the talent that we're friends with that we've, you know, kind of helped build up or, you know, legends, you know, who, you know, who've helped us, um, who've been part of our kind of our comedy family over the years and, and just utilize the skill set that, that I've acquired from producing with, you know, Sirius XM and CBC when we, they come in and do our galas. And so, yeah, we just, we evolved it to that and it's been really exciting there. You know, one of our first um, albums that we did was Jarrett Campbell's straight white fail. And that ended up getting nominated for a Juno award. So it was, it was cool right out of the gate to, you know, get some of that validation for, you know, the project projects that we're creating and, and to see a guy like Jared, who, you know, he came up with uh, with us when we were doing like the dark comedy festival, Rob Mayhew and I, we do the dark comedy tour and we brought him on as our opener. And then he ended up starting a podcast with me called the rude dudes. And so I've been with Jared very early on from his career. And so to be able to produce his album and see where he is now and where he's been able to go, like it got to the point where, you know, it's like, Hey, yeah, you can, you can open for me on these shows or host these shows with me, but you should be headlining your own now. And you, cause you can now make headliner money, like go do that. And then when we get together and do shows, it's a blast. So. But that's awesome. He he's definitely one of the top talents right, right now in Canada and oh, your yeah. label, your label is like one of the top independent. Like I think of you guys and like howl and roar, right. That's those like, labels that are really pushing comedians forward in this country which we need more yeah i mean i'm really happy that uh that people you know are are on to what we're doing i mean with uh yeah we try we try our best to just focus on you know who who's really funny right now and if if someone wants to work with us we're happy to uh to help them get it out there it's you know in, in whatever way you know it's uh Sometimes they sometimes they've recorded it already and they just don't know how to put it out or sometimes mm-hmm. they you know need that right from the from the start we'll you know we'll be part of it and but yeah we've got uh I mean we're we're getting close to 30 albums that we we've produced now which is it's crazy to think how you know the pandemic happened right after we started the label so being able to get a few of those albums out during the pandemic was like a big win just because of you know how uh, challenging it was and the mm-hmm. ones where you know they opened it up a couple times and we, we were able to record a couple in those little pauses windows yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now that we're back on full it's like holy <laughs> it's Busy. hard to keep up when uh, I was working uh, a weekend with Fiona O'Brien and she was telling me about uh, decentral comedy and your VR tech and the NFT stuff you're doing it. And I I've been researching it and meaning to reach out to you since, since that mm-hmm. weekend. It, it's so cool. Uh, can you just tell how that came about um, sure. and, uh, and, and where, where it's at with all this and especially the, the blend of virtual reality and NFT, like where those come together. Yeah, sure. So there's, I mean, there's a few different ways that we've been able to, um, you know, kind of apply comedy into this Web3 world. But when we first started, it was during the pandemic. Again, it was born out of the, you know, everyone's just doing Zoom stand-up shows. And I hated the Zoom stand-up. It just doesn't feel right. Mm. I'm not a big fan of that. No. Um, and and it's just like, there's got to be another way. And then someone uh, that was friends of ours uh, told, told 
um, told us about the metaverse. They told us about Decentraland. And so we decided to check out what this thing's all about. And so, you know, a few of us, we started a, um, a little company. It just kind of, it kind of evolved naturally. We ended up having to become a company, but we, we did the first ever show where like, we can stream into Decentraland. Like there's people from all over the world coming in to check this out. And it's Decentraland is, a, is actually, you go on your laptop. It's like a video game. You walk around. It's not VR yet. It's working towards mm-hmm. that, but it's like kind of like second life or whatever. But you walk around, like you create your avatar and then you can go around this virtual city that operates on blockchain technology. So if you want to, you can buy things in there using mana, which is their native token, uh, their cryptocurrency that the, that they're for, that they're founded on. And um, you can go to a casino, the casino DG games, which is awesome. And you can go play, you can gamble with people online all using like these uh, you know, using these tokens and uh, so we, we decided to stream a show because we couldn't produce anything in Canada. We, we knew that we had people in New York City. We produced uh, Ryan Long and Mark Normand at Brooklyn Comedy Club, and we live streamed it into Decentraland. And we had like 300 people come to the Decentraland event. And that was our first one. We didn't really know like if it was going to work or not. And it worked pretty good. And to the point where, you know, someone came along, uh, our friend Patrick came along and said, I have a um, space, like I have like a building that uh, you guys can use. Um, and so we created the Decentral Comedy Club in Decentraland and we started streaming content out of there. We brought in like Kenny versus Spenny doing like a live um, Q&A with fans and and we did uh, a stand-up special. We did my stand-up special too soon. And I came in as my avatar and just kind of talked before the, the show and, you know, set it all up because there's a bunch of stuff that funny stories kind of around it. And then uh, they, so we screened that in there. So it's a lot of like streaming either live or pre-recorded content in the Decentraland model. Because it's not would- VR. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure where that was at. Yeah, I was wondering if yeah. it was like headset on doing your your set and i think like fiona found the connection with me because i have this whole bit yeah. about virtual reality and vr and maybe maybe that's where the connection is so, but that sounds super cool so a lot of it is like filming a set live and then broadcasting to the avatars yeah. in the okay yeah or a podcast like like the way i see it it's like it's almost like a simulcast of whatever you do so if you do your podcast on youtube like you could broadcast it also into twitch or you could broadcast it onto uh, into the metaverse. It's just another way that your fans can engage with each other and with you. Um, and you can come in and, and hang out or whatever. Like there is just that, um, that extra level of connection and engagement that, you know, you can't get on the regular platforms. And we do, you know, everything that we've been doing is trying to, you know, make it better, have it, have the streaming be better. And and we, we've worked with, you know, a lot of these, you know, tech people to try and, you know, make sure that it's, you know, top quality and it's getting, it is getting better. And, and then, you know, what are the ways that people can, can engage with um, different artists? What are the things that they can do? So if you, let's say, I mean, let's say Blink-182 streamed their concert into the metaverse and you wanted to, um, and they wanted to do something with their fans in the metaverse, they could, we could make them a wearable of this t-shirt and their fan could buy that t-shirt 
on the blockchain and get they get it for their wearable their for sorry for their avatar their avatar can now wear their blink 2 t-shirt in decentraland but when they buy that we can have it so that they also get the real shirt sent to them in real life as well so it's like a twofold thing there's ways that we can merge the real world and the metaverse for cool interaction and experiences that's there's no doubt about it and that's what interests me um you know, just bringing the, those things closer together. Uh, if you think about um, comedy in New York City, it's probably the best comedy city in the world that I've been to anyway. Um, a lot of people may never get a chance to go to New York City and experience comedy there, but they do have a computer and they can come into Decentraland and and see a live show from, you know, Brooklyn Comedy Club and, and hang out with their friends from all over the world. Um, that's definitely progress in tech and it's just it's still in its infancy so it's really exciting to see where it's going to go i think the ai thing that's happening right now is a big distraction from from what's going on we did i don't think everyone mm -hmm. expected ai to to go this fast and and be this dangerous too so there's 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 huge advantages to it but there's huge you know like anything you know we got to be careful with it um, but, but with the metaverse stuff in, in particular, um, I see there being more ways to, um, I guess, bring fans and artists closer together. And I think that that's, you know, as long as it's, it's, it's what the artists wants, then, you know, you, you can limit the, the amount of engagement, but just have those opportunities available to people and, you know, have those vip type experiences that that can happen that's uh th that's super cool where do you see chat gpt going in terms of comedy i use it every day in my work life um, yeah working at working in vr um i've actually thrown my bits into chat gpt just to um hear just to see what better? it would come out with and, and it's yeah. funny, like it doesn't it can't write a good joke. Like, I think that's yeah. been like, I can't write a joke, but it like I have this whole thing in my act about how much I love funeral sandwiches. And like I get almost giddy going to a funeral for the mini triangle sandwiches. And I put I just put that in, like, write me a joke about funeral sandwiches. And although it didn't write me a joke, it gave me like one new word that I was like, oh, I hadn't thought that I hadn't made that connection to funeral sandwiches. And then I go off and write the bit. But where do you see like chat GPT fitting in with comedy? Because uh, people are trying to use it right now. Yeah, it's tough to say because it's not there yet. And, mm. it's, and so, I mean, it gets better all the time, but I don't know. I don't know if it can, if it's going to be able to create funnier comedy than people. I just can't see that happening. I just don't. Any comic that's robotic isn't as good as a comic that's natural. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> what's a real robot going to do that's better? Yeah. So, you know, there's there's still that, um, there's those X factors, those variables. And it, if you look at hockey, you know, the, you can have the most skill, but you need to have heart. And <laughs> I don't think that the that the computer can connect that way yet. It's just not, it just won't. I just um, want it to tell me what hockey team to bet on. Like, tell me what that'd be nice to bet on. I, I've tried that. I was like, tell me what team <laughs> to put money on, and it will not do it with but any. I see yeah, it. 
I see it being a shortcut for certain things and, and cutting down or making things more uh, efficient for writing. Um, and I, I, we'll just see where we're, I haven't gone full blast into chat G, GPT. I've done like um, a bunch of the apps and stuff though, like with the animation stuff. Mm. Cause I was, a, I, I'm able to take like um, my standup performance and then cartoonize it using that app. And so it was, it's kind of cool. Um, there's one where it, like I was doing like stand up and then it like cuts to the net. There's one, it was like a one angle camera shoot. I'm like, well, I only got one angle on this. How do I make this kind of cool? And so I did a zoom in, but I cartoonize it. So it switches from me in real life to a cartoon and it looks kind of neat. And, it, and it's just a different look. And I've been playing around with it and just trying to find the right, um, the right vibe for these things. Um with our avatars in Decentraland, when we were doing our comedy festival in the metaverse, I was, uh, I, I have like a, we we're able to make real life av- looking avatars. I don't know if you saw yeah. that. No, they're so crazy real life before, looking. Yeah. Before Decentral comedy, no one could make an avatar that looked like that work in Decentraland. No one's done it yet. And I f- just happened to find this, this app. And I talked to the the guys there, and it's uh, in three D. These guys are awesome, and I, I I met with the guys who are who are on working running it, and uh, I, there's another guy that that we know who's able to take the avatar from the app and then structure it so it works in the metaverse. So oh, cool! It actually can be utilized as like a skin wearable, and you just you mint it as like a one of one NFT wearable. And you wear it as a skin and it, it looks exactly like you. And when we brought this forward to Decentraland, there was all these little bitch boys who were giving us shit, like saying that we we're lying about it. Like they couldn't believe it. And they're talking all this shit. Like that's a third party app. It doesn't actually work in Decentraland. Guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> it works. Like go and watch the video. Like I'll come in, you know, give me your parcel. I'll drop in with the, with the avatar and uh, I'll be wearing it. It looks exactly like me it's it's nuts but this they're very more they're much more cartoony otherwise and and the the cartoon ones look cool too but if you wanted to do a special event with you know a famous comedian or celebrity or athlete whatever and you you want it to look like them so that you kind of know it's them like wouldn't it be cool to get your avatar have a selfie with the celebrities in their avatar i don't know it's just it, it's a virtual meet and greet situation. And, and these are the type of things that can develop um, that I'd love to see kind of happen. I mean, it's just sort of, it blew my mind that people were, you know, coming at us like that because there is, a, there can be a lot of negativity, especially when you're in a bear market and people are, you know, they've lost a lot of money and they're, you know, yeah. on edge, but, but overall, I think the, the community, um, the, the ones that, that support us have been, been very, um, very cool about it. And, and we just trying to, all we're trying to do is advance things forward so that it's easier for comedy to come in when it's, when, when comedy is ready, comedy isn't necessarily ready to come in. Like I could, I know that I can do it, but it's just people are, how do I put it? No one wants to be the first one through the door and it fail. Mm-hmm. But if you're the first one, 
in and understanding it and it when it happens and you're already there that's a good thing so that's kind of where i'm gonna be um the the horizon worlds guys the guys who are doing the stuff unknown theater the montreal dudes rodney ramsey those guys are awesome like i just did their show last night and that's in actual vr and i think that's one of the coolest experience coolest um metaverse experiences also um i see it sounds like um horizon worlds and meta are kind of fucking shit up a little bit but we'll Mm. see where it goes because i think what those guys are have, have been able to do there i've loved uh any show that i've done like i go in uh as an avatar and do stand up in front of 50 people live and it feels like you're in a club it does eh that's massively cool and it's definitely worth trying out you should you should hit them up because i mean that's where it's all heading and it's what they're doing there and what we're doing here all of these things are going to mold together and they're eventually Mm going to be running in tandem and we're going to have access to all this and so I always just tell comedians don't shy away from new tech. Every time there's a new platform or a new um, like piece of tech that, you know, if a comedian figures out how to, you know, get their stuff out using that, the ones who are early adopters usually get famous. Yeah. That's just, yeah. that's it. Look, there's guys who are still famous from vine, you know, <laughs> Tick, TikTok. Like- TikTok right now you know what i mean TikTok right now they'll shut that down and then it'll be something else you know it'll be a new thing yeah yeah and so just like don't shy away from that you know if listen to the younger comics they might be a little bit more in tune with what's what's coming up don't be an old dinosaur who you know (laughs) Hmm. the smartest comics that, that that are older than me were the guys that were like asking me questions when i was you know a younger comic coming up like they you could tell that they wanted to stay in it they didn't want yeah. to just get be that old dude that's you know shitting on young people so yeah that doesn't go well that doesn't no, go it, well. it never yeah. plays out well like in yeah. the history books <laughs> yeah no it's not good um <laughs> annals of time yeah when you're talking about the uh characters to tie it back to wrestling it reminds it reminded me of like the um the action figure scans that they would have for like wrestling like that's what your avatar looks like your real life one is like oh that's what you would look like as an action figure too right yeah yeah, yeah um, exactly. super cool um <laughs> you, you, uh, this stuff is awesome what's kind of next for you um i know you have your special too soon is out now on youtube i watch it it's very very funny um what, what do you have what do you have coming up yeah, so Too Soon's out on YouTube. That's that's from like 2020, but it's still pretty fresh because I, yeah. I made sure it was evergreen. Um, I want my shit to be funny forever. Um, <laughs> but I have, uh, I mean, listen, right now I'm working on a ton of albums with uh, with Codge Comedy Digital. Um, we got a bunch of stuff coming out soon from, uh, you know, everyone from, I mean, Fiona's got some stuff out. Uh, Jeff McHenry's got a new one coming mm. out. Uh, we got uh, stuff with Brian O'Gorman, Kyle Lucy, all these great comics. So keep an eye on cottagecomedy.com. Uh, and that that has all that we put all the new albums out on there. Um, and then I have a new special coming out soon. I'm just in the final kind of editing phase of that. So that you can look forward to that. Awesome. TylerMorrison.ca has all my, uh, you know, my live dates and anything new that's coming out. I usually... Uh, get it up there as fast as possible. So, 
Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tyler, for coming on. I, I appreciate this chat. I appreciate all you're doing to to move comedy forward in Canada. Uh, hey, thanks. It's, it's a big part of it. So, yeah, this is awesome. I'd like to take back everything I said about Bully Ray. I was just kidding. <laughs> don't. Please don't, don't do it. Through a table. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Bully Ray. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. <laughs> Tyler's special, uh, Too Soon, is out now. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube and look for an upcoming special from, from Tyler. Uh, head to tylermorrison.ca for all things Tyler Morrison, uh, including a link there to Cottage Comedy and all the great comics he supports through that and, and uh, what he's doing with uh, Decentral Comedy, which is very, very cool. If you're into tech and, and all that stuff, just check that out. It's 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 awesome. You can find it on a separate website. The link, again, is on tylermorrison.ca. But if you just want that one, it's decentralcomedy.io. That's decentralcomedy.io. All right. Time for the moment you've all been waiting for, and that is the list of the nominees for this year's class of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. There is the Legacy category, the Creators category, and the performers category. So let's start with the legacy category. Uh, two of these will be voted in by industry members, uh, industry members of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. They are Rosoulette, Mary Dressler. Those are new to the ballot for 2023. Rosoulette and Mary Dressler. Carried over from last year's ballot, Olivier Guimond, The Happy Gang, and Beatrice Lil. So congratulations to all those nominees nominated in the legacy category. Now to the creators category. New to the ballot this year, Perry Rosemond and Joe Badali. Carried over from last year is Sandra Fair, Keith Johnstone, Joanna Downey, and Robert Gravel and Yvonne LaDuc. Congratulations to all those nominees and their families as well. Now to the performers. New to the ballot this year, Jim Carrey, Eugene Levy, Martin Short, Billy Van, and Mary Walsh. Carried over from last year, the cast of SCTV, the cast of Codco, Elvira Kurt, Steve Smith, aka Red Green, and Al Waxman. Five of those ten amazing nominees will be voted in to the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame all members get to vote on the performers category and to become a member head to canadiancomedyhall.com sign up register and vote okay my next interview uh, very very excited to have zabrina douglas on the show i saw zabrina as we talk about right off the top um, at a work event i was at she was the comedian at a, at a corporate event and she killed she did great so i wanted to have her right on the show right away she ended up after that event going on and being nominated for a juno for her album things black girls say it was recorded at toronto's comedy bar it's very very funny if you haven't heard it yet you can find it on the howl and roar website so just head over to howl and roar uh they they have the album there you can purchase it download it do whatever you have to do it's very very funny check it out i uh, hope you enjoy this had a great time so full of so much energy i just love talking to zabrina so enjoy this interview with the great zabrina douglas i don't know do you remember where we where we met um i think it was at that uh uh blue mountain at that it was um, at blue mountain yeah i think Oh, yeah. Wait, but yeah. did I even meet you before then? I don't think so. Um, I I don't know how I knew you, but no, I don't think we met before then. 
Um, but I went over and introduced myself and you were like, oh, good. There's another comedian on the show. And I was like, no, I, this is my day job. Like I'm here for work. Later, buddy. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But you, that was one of the best corporate uh, sets I've ever seen. It was really good. That was a big room of people. There was like 600 people in that room. No, I wasn't expecting that either. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a huge conference. Yeah, so um, they were just like, um, they were like a fun crowd. It's not like it was like a one of those boring corporates where everybody hated each other. They seemed fun, so it worked out. Thank God. That's got to be one of the more nerve wracking things. Is like you know what you're getting when you do your show at Comedy Bar. Yeah, uh, I- you you know, but that you're like, I have no idea what I'm walking into. Yeah, exactly. Especially you're not sure if like the lighting's right or like the microphone even works properly or like, yeah, I did a corporate and it was for teachers, but the teacher went on right before me and started crying about an inappropriate email she got. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, how do you follow something like that? Oh, I have to do comedy now? This is so awkward. (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Do you, how do you view those corporate events? Like, oh, it's a good way to like test my skills in front of a new audience. Like what's your like mindset going into those? Oh, my mindset is like, hey, at least I'm getting paid for this. (laughs) That was my follow-up question. (laughs) Yeah. That's why they, people like comedians charge way more for corporates because they can go horribly wrong. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, can you imagine getting paid? Like if you were like, you know, doing like a little show, like, no, I would never do it. There's no way. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. And I'm sure you got like, I actually, we were talking before you went on that, that night or that late afternoon and you, uh, you, you were saying like, oh, they were like very on me about like clean. It's gotta be clean. Yeah. Um, you weren't like overly clean. I didn't yeah. think, but it was still great. Like, I, I don't think you would like everybody thought, cause like, what's in people's minds that are booking you for these shows is so much worse than what you're going to say up there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're just, they don't know who the comic is and what they're capable of, you know, they're just like, okay, just be careful. Like, it's not like we're sending them in a script. So they have no idea what they're booking. So I think that's the, that's why they're just like, please, please be clean, clean. And I'm like, I am most for the most part, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. Yeah. Your stuff is is fairly clean, I'd say. Um, it's it's definitely relatable and and very very funny, especially in a, in a room like that. They were, uh, I work in like social service type work, so yeah. Um, you had like your nursing stuff that I felt like could relate to the room, so that must have all in all that must have felt like a great show when you when you left Blue yeah, Mountain. Pretty good. I was just I'm like thank God it worked out. It sucks like to not work out and it's like a big group of people that you're like oh my god why am i doing this yeah and then you have but to it, drive home to think about it oh yeah. i know oh yeah that's all of the reasons why you just it's okay some comics don't care but i care <laughs> yeah no i'm always good once i get home yeah but it's literally the car ride by yourself in the car is like where you just like oh you know like that's where the dread kicks in once i'm home i'm fine (laughs) or like after i do another set and it like then it's like oh okay Mm. yeah i know what i'm doing again 
Yeah. What What were your circumstances of getting into comedy? Um, like, when was your first set? What made you decide to try it in the first place? Oh man, like I was, um, I I was I started probably five years into nursing, and I had a really bad problem with stage fright. So I wanted to get rid of my stage fright. And I, I was turning 30 at the time. This was probably like, yeah, 15 years ago. Oh my God, don't calculate my age. <laughs> uh, <but> like, <laughs> I, was, I had a really bad stage fright to the point where if it was a, a group of professionals talking and they're like, what should we do with this patient? And mm. I, you know, say anything. I would like, like feel so anxious you know, and I'm like, I can't be like this anymore. And then you know how it is. Like you tell jokes in front of your friends. They're like, oh, you know, maybe I can try, you know? So <laughs> I found this workshop online. It was like years ago. It was a workshop at Yuck Yucks. It was, I think it was like four or five Sundays. And the instructor would be uh, Larry Horowitz. He used to be um, mm -hmm. a hum, uh, you know him, eh? Yeah, a hum, he used to be yeah. And a Humber instructor. And like he was instructing that uh workshop. And I think I had to pay like four hundred dollars. And I'm like, okay, if I do this, I think I would wipe away my stage fright. And at the same time, I can see if I would ever like telling jokes uh on stage. Cause I'll never forget, like when I was, I think I was eight years old or something, I had a dream that I was on stage telling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up and I'm like, what? And then I told my dad, I'm like, oh, I want to be a comedian. And he was just like, oh, you want to be a clown for your living? A clown? Why? You're going to ruin me and your mother. We pivot. You're to live in this world. We want you to be a doctor or a teacher. <laughs> that's, that's Caribbean parents anyway, in a nutshell. They want <laughs> money, not, they just think like comedian. No, 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 no. So then I just forgot about it. And then I remembered it. I took that workshop. And then like, I remember I went on stage and I got my first laugh and I was like totally addicted ever since. <laughs> but Did it took a get... while to, to wipe away my stage fright though. That was it gonna be my follow up, yeah. It took me a year. Cause like I, I had these jokes that I made, they were so bad and I memorized it word for word. And I remember I'd go on stage and I mess up a word or whatever. And then I would, I was like, oh, the whole time, like, oh my God, this is the worst. And I'm like, I have to keep on doing this, run away. Like I had this weird battle in my head. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was so crazy. <laughs> Do you still have stage fright? Um, I wouldn't say like, I don't think so, man. Like I do get nervous still, which, which is normal. I think it's good mm -hmm. to get nervous as a comedian, but like, I don't get nervous to the point where I can't speak or yeah. like, like the, or like my heart would pound so hard that the words couldn't come out. Like that's how I used mm -hmm. to feel that type yeah. of thing. Last night, like even I was like more, I just get excited. Like I get like really like chatty and excited. I'm probably super annoying, annoying in the green room. Uh, yeah. But last night, like, I don't know. It was a regular Thursday at Yuck Yucks, but just because it was called the JFL showcase, I felt like a different set of nerves than normal. Just like that name was in there. And then, like people, you can feel the other comics, like their nervousness. You can totally feel oh, it. Yeah, like that. That's what I think I was feeling. Yeah, you're just like, oh my god, why am I freaking out? It's only because everyone else is like freaking out. So this class that you did, there, there was obviously like a showcase component at the end oh, of it. Oh yeah, and it's just like and then 
it's just like all supportive family members. So obviously, like as a new comic, like it's a good set. But then when you go to an actual open mic, like I went to an actual open mic, nobody never laughed. It was so bad. Like I just remember mm. it was like nobody laughed for my whole set. And then I was like, I guess I'm gonna go now. And then everyone laughed. I was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> That's that's what happens like that showcase yeah. in any comedy class. There's one in Ottawa that, that happens like where, where I do a majority of my comedy. And uh, yeah, everybody's so fired up. And then like you see that comic who would like did their showcase. They're like coming into like one of those indie rooms, um, you know, where comics are like working stuff. out. And it's like it's a crowd of all comics. You can literally see them get defeated. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I feel so bad. Um, but it's that the ones that keep coming back, you know, the, the ones that, that make it. So what, what made you want to keep going back after that set? I think a lot of it is me. And like, I'm competitive with myself. Mostly. Mm -hmm. I just always like, just try. I'm like, I can't just try something and just quit. Like I want to see how far I can take it. And plus, like, I actually, I actually really, really liked it. And then you could see a you could see a difference. Like you could actually see a progress in your your stand up. Like the more you do it, which I thought was cool. So like I just remember I had that really bad set. And I'm like, yo, I just threw that set that I created because I created out of a class, which is gonna be crap. Like your first mm. sets are gonna suck, and it's not it's not the real you. Like I'm too nervous to express my real self. So then I made up a set like where it's like, okay, jokes about me personally it was just stupid joke i made a joke about watching an oprah show it was so bad like it was bad i'm like i can't like no 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 i'm not saying this anymore and i just talked about like my parents my jamaican parents and i went back to the same old um uh whatever open mic where no one was laughing at and i did this a different set and then it like killed i remember and i was like oh, okay okay we're Here doing we this yeah, yeah. yeah. uh <laughs> Kenny Robinson is the uh, president of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Um, he has a Nubian show, which you've done many times. Um, I think you've headlined as well. Uh, can you just talk about like Kenny and what that show has meant to your career? Oh, man. Like Kenny Robinson is literally like dubbed by everyone as the um, father of like Canadian comedy. Like he... Because like when I first started comedy, I remember I'd watch the Nubian show and just the way he ran that show. He's so, so professional. He always wore that suit. Like mm. you, you always had to give him like a hundred percent respect. And then when I started doing his shows, he'd always give me like, like uh, little critiques and stuff that helped me along the way. Like I totally uh, respected everything he had to say. Like I, when you go there, like he doesn't want you to do your your open mic material. You had to do a material. Like, and it was so scary to me because when I first started doing that show, he would tell the audience, "Oh, if you don't like them, make sure you boo them, let them know." And I'd be like, "Oh my god, please, like, don't." Oh my I see people get booed. Like I see people get booed and it used to scare me, but it helps me work. Cause like I would know a month in advance if I was doing that show and I'd go to like so many open mics and try and work on my stuff. And then I would like make it so good. I have a little bit of PTSD from that show. It's different now. It's like a regular audience before it used to be like a primarily uh, Caribbean Jamaican crowd. And mm. there's, some people there that would encourage other people to boo, which made an amazing show, but scared comedians so much. Like it was so bad. Yeah, It's a different audience now. It's just a regular audience. 
So, but like, uh, yeah, Kenny Robinson, he's like pretty much he's the godfather of of comedy. Everybody respect every um um like Caribbean or like urban comics started from the Nubian show. And they always give him respect because like that's how pretty much we got more gigs. We got seen by certain like uh, and got like, you know, uh, much of our success from doing that show. So, yeah, it is definitely one of the premier shows in Canadian comedy. I think every comic knows about it Um, and put people put people on the map. Oh, pretty much. Like, if you do that show, I remember we used to do that show, and the next day, every comedian in Toronto knew how you did. Mm, like, yeah. Had, dude, had their first time. How did they do? How did they do? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome when a show can create like a buzz in a community like that. That's, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That show always, every Sunday, that show, I remember even when it, when I first started going there, there'd be a lineup down the street just to get in that show. Like, yeah. it was such a hot show. Um, you, you, me and you do similar things. Like I'm a parent as well. I work a full-time job. I do comedy multiple times a week. What, how do you balance all, all, all that? That's a question that I get asked all the time. And I'm just, just like, I just do it. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. like it just, you just do it. Um, cause you, yeah. cause you love it all. Like, uh, what, what's your answer to that? Cause I'm sure you get that question constantly. Oh yeah. People are just like, how do you do this? I don't understand. But like, luckily I have, my parents are like actually super supportive. Um, right now, like I have a husband, he's so, he's so into it. Like he loves, um, the standup. And then I just make sure like, uh, whenever I do stuff, I'll always include the kids. Like if I'm going away for a show, I'll just make sure I get like a bigger room and then I can bring the kids and my husband's there and then he will be with them while I'm doing the show. And then I leave and then we all hang out together. Like I just try and include them as much as I can, but yeah, it can be hard. I can't tour like what a lot of comics can do and do that kind of stuff i just got to figure out what i'm going to do and be creative about it like right now it works out but yeah it can be expensive though if you try and bring everyone so luckily i have in-laws they're amazing they'll take the kids so like and then i have the older ones too like my oldest one is uh, turning 20 so yeah my my daughter's eight and i just did the weekend in niagara falls at yuck yucks and uh i got like a the room with the place with the water slide and i was like okay yeah and my sister came and like looked looked at it It was awesome like it was it was great the cool place you're like all right all right i'll bring the kids whatever yeah yeah it's perfect and she loved that she has no idea what i'm doing there like she doesn't know she doesn't understand comedy do your kids understand like your younger kids like do they understand what it is yet well, one time I took the kids to a show. It was a parent show, and they said it was in a park. It was like during COVID, but it wasn't. I thought it would be a park a nearby that the kids could play while I do my set, but it wasn't. So they ended up watching the show, and then the the um she was seven at the time. She's like, "Oh, can I tell a joke?" And then the host was like, "Yeah, come tell a joke." <laughs> stage and was like, "Why did the chicken cross the road?" Or you know, everybody's like, "Oh, cute, right?" They're like, "Yeah." supportive and clapping and stuff and after she's like oh mommy it's like it's like my birthday and i'm like oh no i might have created a little monster like this might have not been a good idea to yeah. like her too early to this crap but like yeah i don't uh they kind of they kind of understand like i have the um five-year-old she doesn't really know but the 
the the eight-year-old now she knows she made me a mother's day card with me on stage and making people laugh in the audience ha 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 which i thought was that's awesome yeah that's any any aspirations for your kids to get into comedy i don't know man because i know what the green room's like and a lot of comedians are insane yeah they're crazy people yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know. We'll see. Whatever they want to do makes them happy as long as they make money and happy. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, your album uh, got Juno nominated this year, which is amazing. Uh, it's Things Black Girls Say, the album uh, from Howlin' Roar Records. That must have been an incredible experience uh, being nominated. Um, they kind of they kind of tip you off that you're going to be nominated, right? Don't they say well, like, they- oh, come to... First out, they were just like, oh, come to the, can you come to the thing? And they're like, not that, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, why am I going to come? And then I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I am, possibly I am, but I don't want to say, like, what if I'm not? That's going to be the worst. And then I'm just in the back of my head, I'm like, if I'm not, and I come all the way to Toronto for this thing at like 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> getting your hopes up there john door was there we're all like oh my god i don't know i don't know and courtney gilmore was there but like yeah they they announced us all so it was like oh thank god um i didn't come here for no reason but i wasn't gonna come i'm like i don't know if i want to (laughs) come yeah it's one of those things you don't want to like walk away with like your tail between your legs being like okay why did i you know but like hello I, I work, I still work and I have kids like uh, this is annoying for me to like, but it ended up being good. I thought it was cool because I wasn't, I told you wasn't expecting to be nominated for Juno. Like I would, I would have loved to be nominated, but to get nominated was cool. Like I was just trying to get my jokes out, like the old jokes. Cause I'm like, I don't like telling these jokes anymore. I need to put them on a album so I can just like, you know, bury them for good. So like, yeah, it ended up working out well. So, Hey, that's awesome. No. And it's why, and, and you got to go to Edmonton and do that like famous Juno show, which yeah. uh, I actually talked to Jackie and Courtney a couple of weeks ago about it. They said it was so much fun oh, uh, and an amazing lineup. So that must've been cool to go to the actual awards and, and everything is. Oh as yeah. Well. Yeah. Just us there's like five of us in the comedy like category and then it's all a sea of musicians like all yeah. <laughs> this little category but like the, to be with those group of people they're all the nicest people like like it was so cool to, mm. to do it. and like at least i was with a cool group of people so yeah 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 that's that's awesome can you just talk about uh the co- the company that or the label that re- released your uh record howl and roar and what they've done for your career, Allison Dorr, uh, she's been on the show, uh, an amazing champion of uh, women in comedy. Uh, so they, they put out your album that was Juno nominated. Can you just talk about what they meant to your career so far? Well, Allison Dorr, I've actually known Allison Dorr for years. Like me and her used to do like open mics in downtown Toronto, Yucks, which was like, oh, horrible <laughs> times. Horrible. But she was like the nicest person. I love Allison Dorr. Like she helped me with doing this because I wouldn't know how uh, how to even think about releasing an album like I'm busy uh, working in the hospital as a nurse like like I don't have time to I was just like please can you just help me like and then they totally helped me put everything together which was great and then uh, recorded everything and we just did two shows and it was like it ended up being good so like yeah she's super supportive it was great working with her so for sure where did you record this album? 
it was just at comedy bar okay sweet awesome yeah, yeah. it's it was uh, back right after the pandemic so it wasn't a full full crowd um there's probably like I don't know, 30, 40 people there, but um, the guy, Matt, who recorded, he did such a good job. Because <laughs> yeah. I was, oh, I don't know how this is going to sound. Because, you know, when you listen to yourself being recorded, like, I hate listening to myself. I'm just like, oh, why am I saying that? Oh, it's so mm. annoying. I have to build myself up to listen to it. But he made it sound so professional. It sounded good. So, like, yeah, I was happy with it, though. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. It's very, very funny. It's a, it's a great album for anybody to check out. What's uh, what's next for you? Like, what do you want to accomplish coming off this Juno nomination, coming off this album? Uh, what's kind of your next checkbox that you want to you want to check off? Well, I definitely want to like just tour some more, do more stuff. I want to I want to do more nursing stuff. I did a a nursing. Um, a show in nurses week it's, it was all the way in sarnia but still like that's actually like i i still even though nursing is like crazy right now i still love nursing and i love telling jokes about nurses to mm -hmm. nurses who totally get everything that's in my head and i did a, a, a show in sarnia it was for nurses they were laughing at like even like the little things that I hate that regular audiences wouldn't get. So like I totally want to work on may uh possibly like a nursing an album like just like of healthcare kind of jokes. So like I'm thinking about that. So we'll see. It's so <laughs> nice with like the internet now and stuff that you could totally do an album about something that would be considered niche to the general pop population yeah. that you can yeah. just put out there and there's still millions of people that work in that who would listen to it right that's the best part about it yeah 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 yeah. so um i always ask like one final question here uh because this is the canadian comedy hall of fame podcast um who do you think i know you probably don't know off the top of your head who's in and who's out and who's nominated and all that stuff and that's fine but who would you if it was sabrina's uh canadian comedy hall of fame who do you think should be in there obviously kenny robinson should be in the hall of fame uh oh. but who who are some other names that uh kind of come to your mind as like comedy influences in your life comedy influences in my life um i do love a lot of the caribbean uh comedians out there like i like i love uh john paul so mm -hmm. hilarious um i i love jay martin he's like so funny he's mainly uh performs like for caribbean crowds but he's like one of the one of those guys that are just like producing like huge shows on their own um i also even even um um ron jostle like those guys are hustlers man they'll just go everywhere around the world and just like kill it so i i love uh the new and up and coming um, uh, comedians that are in Canada right now. They're like, they're like really hardworking and their material is like so amazing if you listen to it. So like, those are the type of people that I look up to right now. So awesome. All great names, all of them uh, amazing, just killing it all, all over Canada right now. So um, Sabrina, thanks so much for doing this uh, and coming on the show and congrats again on your Juno nomination and uh, yeah, good luck with, with everything you have going on. Thank you so much. You have a great day. That's it. That's all. Thanks so much to Tyler Morrison. Thanks to Sabrina Douglas. Don't forget things black girls say is the album the juno nominated album and it's out 
right now. Uh, once again, I'll quickly run down those list of nominees for you uh, that you can vote for right now at CanadianComedyHall.com. They are Rose Ouellette, Mary Dressler, Olivier Guimond, The Happy Gang, Beatrice Lil, Perry Roseman, Joe Badale, Sandra Fair, Keith Johnstone, Joanna Downey, Robert Graval, and Yvonne LaDuke, Jim Carrey, Eugene Levy, Martin Short, Billy Van, Mary Walsh, the cast of SCTV, the cast of Codco, Olivier Kurt, Steve Smith, and Al Waxman. Congrats to all the nominees uh, this year. Not all of them will get in, uh, but what an amazing, amazing collection of talent we have here in Canada. Thanks for listening to episode 26. Stay tuned. I have some uh, exciting interviews for people coming to uh, Just for Laughs this year. It's going to be an exciting couple weeks here on the podcast as Just for Laughs is now right around the corner. Don't forget CanadianComedyHall.com to vote. For the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, I'm Chad Noonan.